0: It's time for,
1: time for another, another episode. episode of
0: Always, Always Angelic Aspialis
1: We're different, different not, not less, less. You're We're different, different, not, not less worse. And now for the disclaimer for every episode of Always Angelic Aspialis
0: Yes, at Always Angelic Aspialis we value the lived experiences of those that identify as neurodiverse, autistic, chronically pained have mental health conditions, that identify with different pronouns, culture, backgrounds, sexuality, and so on.
1: We appreciate and acknowledge lived experiences as vital to the wonderland of always angelic as the others.
0: However, our experiences may be different from those who have different experiences, and our advice, such experience, such stories, such personal mantras, etc. do not replace medical or diagnostic information.
1: We are not therapists, counsellors, or doctors. However, we hope you find another episode of Always Jelly Gaspiela's Helpful.
0: We welcome everybody to be, live, thrive, and belong as different, not less. Hi, George. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you?
1: I'm doing very good.
0: That's great. And um, we'll just get straight into the um, episode of That's Okay. Hi, everybody. Yeah. This is Anna. Um, this is Susanna from Always in Dark I've got a special guest star, um, George, and he's also known as Spike, and today we'll be talking about the Barbie movie and all things Barbie.
1: Of course, um, will, will we be talking with or without spoilers? With. Okay, so yeah, um, heads up for everyone, this will contain plenty of spoilers, so if you haven't seen the goodness that is Barbie, please go see it now if you can, and then come back to us, and Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed the movie. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's great. And I want to ask you, um, what were your thoughts on it? Um, like, your your um, first thoughts, but also, like, if you had any, um, like, positive thoughts about maybe how it changed your perspective and things as well?
1: Like, uh, basically, I thought that uh, there seems to be a battle over whether this film's good or not, and I actually think it's pretty good, just because, mm-hmm. like, um, I, I love how it... Uh, you know, just tears apart toxic masculinity and it like really, you know, they, there's like, there's the Barbie lands and the real world. And, uh, you know, I basically gro- growing up, I was like watching all the director video movies and they weren't really much quality wise, honestly, except for princess and I will say that that was fun, but like, uh, <laughs> basically I think, sorry. I, I also just, uh, I also just woke up cause I stayed up last night <laughs> that isn't entirely clear um, <laughs> um, so yeah with Barbie, I think Margot Robbie plays the role of Barbie very well Ryan Gosling plays the role of Ken very well and mm-hmm. they took Barbie and Ken in directions that I really didn't expect and I really love how funny Ken is and how he's like the butt of the joke in this film in a mm-hmm. lot of ways but then he also has that number toward the end and he's also serious um, and, and he sort of gets the start of a redemption thing because if not for the ending where Barbie's going into the real world permanently, then I think that you know there could be a sequel w- maybe with Barbie dealing with the real world and people coming to visit, maybe being like, How's Barbie doing? Actually, maybe it could still work, and then Ken mm-hmm. being like, Oh, this was toxic masculinity, and this is you know the um now i'm trying to strive for an ideal that you know that that's a better ideal because they can't trust the kens with power just yet considering all that they've done during the movie right yeah exactly yeah
0: mm. yeah and I, I i really liked your thoughts on how that movie um was going into the topics of like toxic masculinity, to- toxic masculinity and just other topics that were not really um, ever talked about in movies necessarily maybe but I really like the movie as well and um, yeah I just I also like empathize with what you're saying because I um, have some opinions and I just I just think it's really interesting to have male perspectives because I've read so much about it or just um, hearing about it and there's nothing really about it that's giving the male perspectives of the movie but I really um, am keen to hear like what you have
1: to say yeah because like generally from from what I've heard from you know on social media from other men some of them are like well this this is anti-men this is blah 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 you know it's it's so and, and then there are the usual uh yeah there are the, there are the usual you know uh backwards idiots are being who are like oh you know this is some feminist product in feminism blah when when actually I am personally a feminist and you know, they try to twist it into like, "Oh, that must mean you hate men." No, it's for equality of all genders.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I read a really interesting article um, by a researcher, and she was um, anti barbie movie, and she just had a really negative tone. And she said, "Oh, if you think basically, if you think this movie is feminist and you like it, you shouldn't because it's it's um it's really um anti-feminist, and it's really you shouldn't be watching it because it's giving the bad it's giving the bad and wrong impressions of Barbie, and and what um, girls and young women should be aspiring to. And I just completely disagree with her um, perspectives.
1: I mean, like, uh, I I get, like, you know, if someone has a different perspective, but if I had a different perspective, like, typically, unless it's like, uh, unless it's like, you know, someone is, uh, let's just say someone is horrible enough to, you know, support fascism, then I will definitely chew them out for supporting fascism. But if it just happens to be that there's like a different opinion, I'll be like, well, I don't agree with this opinion, and just because Mm -hmm. like this, this, and this, right? And I would say Mm -hmm. like, uh, I think this is inherent. Like, sorry, I was about to say inherently that doesn't apply. Maybe I think that this this thing is a bit flawed to believe it. Say like, you know, you you, you're thinking, oh, that. Um, I, I can't think of anything right now, but. There's probably an in-between where it's like, I can see where you're coming from, but I think it's misguided in terms of... Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Um, never mind. I, I was trying to come up with a middle example of something that was sketchy, but something someone could come back from rather than believing in something horrific or whatever, you know? Maybe they didn't know... Say someone didn't know about autism... And they happen to like a movie that treats an autistic character as, as a prop. Um, like, and, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay to like a movie as a movie, as long as, lo- as, long as you know the problematic elements, I think. Um, Rain Man yes. treats its autistic character as a complete prop, but I won't go into that right now. However, as a movie, it's still decently constructed, and I get why people like it, but, yeah, he's a prop. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's Sorry, fair. I, I felt like uh... I talked too much. No, that's okay. You're the guest like after all. Cool. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's okay. You can talk as much as you want. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> I was I was feeling slightly awkward and I felt I had to apologize. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. And um I guess Yeah, I, I um as I said, it's okay, yeah, to not agree with someone, but that article was so militantly written. It's like, if you like the movie, here are reasons why you shouldn't. And if you um, believe that um, Barbie can just chuck on um, a STEM science code, it, you can call it an inspiration to, like, children and women, then you'll...
1: Oh, I just hope that it saved the other recording.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure it did.
1: Oh, good. Okay. I was I was worried about that because <laughs> it cut out so abruptly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know, and I'm like I was trying to say something to cut up in the middle of my sentence. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what I was saying was um, just the article uh, was saying that, you know, um, basically if you believe that Barbie, like the Barbie doll can suck on um, um, a STEM science coat and you market that or you call it an inspiration then you're wrong like I, I i believe that yeah um dolls can be used for good as well and it's not what the doll is it's how it's perceived and also what you do with it and what you do with that information and how you perceive it and just the meanings that come out of it you know
1: exactly yeah like uh, i i i think that uh, you know although that you know barbie certainly had flawed beginnings as a doll after all um she was she was based on this uh, you know, cartoon. I th- I think I think there was this comic strip that was from the fifties. I think it was German, mm-hmm. and yeah. felt like it might have been objectifying. But then I, th- but then like ever since then, like yeah, Barbie's had her ups and downs in terms of representation and all that. But it's it's been I think representation is a modern thing for Barbie in terms of they've they've made the dolls and they've made the different body types and they've made the different races mm-hmm. of Barbie, and I think that's really awesome. But you know, considering this is a doll that started out as like, here's the beauty standard we think there should be. I think it, it, this is like what I'm seeing from the doll. Like, someone might hear this and think I completely disagree, but I'm just uh, that's just my thoughts here. But like, yeah, okay. you
0: know. yeah, yeah, and um, I think it's really okay to have a different opinion. Um, what I don't agree with is when people have a opinion that's so militant, their thoughts and their opinions on others to change the other person's mind. I don't like that at all. And um, I was actually like feeling disgusted when I was reading this article, thinking, I can't read it anymore. It's just so militant and it's really I, I can't connect, I can't I can't relate. It's just I mean it is for an academic, but I just felt like it was just Really putting me off, but I read the whole thing to kind of understand her perspective a bit, and I did. But at the end of the day, I really think it's okay to also have um, a different opinion.
1: Of course, yeah. As I said before, as long as as long as like someone's not supporting the Nazis or something, in which case, yeah, you gotta be pretty damn militant about not supporting the Nazis. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, I suppose with the Barbie movie, um, what I felt was not militant, but um, a little bit bold and maybe a militant I don't know, it depends what people perceive it as but the marketing online was very full on and I'm not trying to um, criticise it necessarily but it was um, a lot of marketing and it was very um, like maybe like a bombardment of like posts all the time like, did you ever see any of those posts and things?
1: I i was, I didn't really check the trending things on, uh, you know, I, I use Twitter less because Elon Musk, what he's done to it is just yeesh um yeah. and the rate limit thing i hate the bloody rate limit anyway um oh. <laughs> it's like you can only read or scroll through a certain amount of tweets per day and then like a child with an internet filter at a certain time of night you're cut off <laughs> for the day really? yeah it's so condescending. Oh. i would i would cuss more about it but this is this podcast and it's against yeah. guidelines in this particular podcast <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's okay but yeah that's not good and um i'm not getting twitter after they've changed it and I'm, I'm on threads but um threads it just seems like such a letdown
1: i i'm on threads too it's like it i think it's like the next best thing it's not perfect but mm. well it's certainly better than elon musk <laughs> and i don't mm. even trust mark zuckerberg i'm like he, where's the lesser of two evils here you know
0: interesting hmm um but also uh, yeah, back, sorry back I trying to, trying to move the conversation back to Barbie. <laughs>
1: of course, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, I was wondering um did the movie change your stance on feminism?
1: I don't think it did. I I'm like, you know, feminism is an inclusive thing that you know includes all genders and it's meant to be about equal rights. I thought that then, I thought that before, I thought that after, nothing really changed.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it was actually at the by the time I had watched the movie, I had spent 5 hours sitting in the theater doing the Barbenheimer trend, so that was pretty cool.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, how was the other movie?
1: Oh, Oppenheimer was uh actually I think it was pretty good, but the pacing was off sometimes. Oh. Um I think I, I of course I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to give things away. Um but, like, just, just a minor thing, though, I will say, um, is that I, I think that uh, they had two important female characters to the story, and they should have fleshed them out more. And I think it was, mm. it was a very male-focused story, generally, but I think they should have fleshed out the female characters more, honestly, you know? Huh. So just- Kind of felt like one-dimensional in his life in the movie, but I won't go into it, of course, because I don't. I don't want to spoil Oppenheimer. It was a good movie overall, and the use between Mm -hmm. color and black and white was actually pretty good. And I'm actually I wasn't gonna announce it this soon, but I'm I was actually secretly filming a video about it to be like, this is Oppenheimer during and after, (laughs) like let's look back on this. And I was filming it over at least a month, and I started filming it a few days ago actually. Yeah, but that that won't come out for a while because I'm trying to get the YouTube channel back up, um, not as part of work anymore because I've moved to Victoria.
0: Yeah, I know. I was actually shocked because, like, I didn't know you, like, it just one day you texted me saying, oh, I'm going to go um, to Melbourne. i like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, it could have been less, less abrupt, and I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> That's okay. I thought you just packed your bags all of a sudden. Oh, but did you know you were going to go?
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. It was a long time coming. I just felt like life yeah. would be easier, that's fair, um, and sacrifices had to be made in terms of well, you know i can still I can still talk to all my friends on the phone and stuff, but being in Victoria, I know what it means you know i I have to get used to new things, I have to contact people from long distances you know i don't have I don't have any friends in Victoria yet, you know mm, mm okay. And like it was a difficult decision, but one I felt I had to make. But Ooh. yeah, um, having having now uh, gone into Victoria, I can say the cinema I saw the films at was Cinema Nova, and it has I think about eighteen mm-hmm. cinemas inside of it, and it's in this shopping center, I think. Wow. I should have known how expensive an Uber back would be um, on a Friday night, however. (laughs) (laughs) Even the pool option, which is the one I picked, was about 50 bucks. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And there were like two other people and they were like, oh, when I mentioned that I saw them, oh, how was the movie? How was Oppenheimer? um, There was this one person who was afraid that it was like going to be rah-rah America and celebrating the guy, but it's I think Oppenheimer, you know, it's just, it's a biopic that's like, well, let's look at also, because in real life, this is real history, J. Robert Oppenheimer, the man this film is based on, came to regret being involved in the invention of the nuclear bomb, and the film is very, this is real history, so the film is very, very clear about that, as well as, you know, him inventing it and stuff, you know, like, from the start, right, you have, um, it cuts between a court drama and him trying to, and, you know, uh, things perspective. It just cuts between them the whole movie. So that's like from the very start.
0: Wow, and um, sounds very interesting. Um, yeah. You know, we should do, we should do a pod, um, especially for that movie because um, I'm I'm trying to um, shape this. Episode as much as possible to do with Barbie Land because i got of so many course. other questions to ask you. Sorry, I just want to remind you. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I
1: got so distracted uh. with Oppenheimer for a second.
0: <laughs> That's okay. I thought I'd let you have your little, um, yeah, your little like story time, but I, I just want to like, put you back on track. Of course. Um, yeah, so I was wondering um, what do you think about the Barbie fashion, the Ken fashion of the movie, and what do you think about Barbie Call?
1: um i haven't heard of barbie core but uh uh let's see i'm just trying to get my mind back to barbie back to barbie uh ah, 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 ah. <laughs> um <laughs> anyway um so okay what was i thinking oh yeah there was there was someone next to me who was like uh, oh this costume's so cool i hmm. want that <laughs> and that heightened the whole experience as well as the audience um yeah. i don't really have much on the fashion like i think i'd it was almost tacky what they were wearing when they first entered mm-hmm. the world with the with the rollerblades and stuff and the high vis. I think, mm-hmm. and it was like gleefully tacky, and I kind of loved that fashion. Yeah, and uh, you know, one thing I had heard it once before the movie, and I I had heard that little snippet in the trailer, but well, considering this is a spoiler podcast for Barbie, um, yep. one thing that I absolutely like in this film when, when when ken toward the end is starting his little trying to find himself i think i i you know i know he's preparing for the fight with the kens and stuff and <laughs> but i think like uh, he, it's his first step of getting out of this toxic hole he's put himself in um i think it was the song i'm just ken anywhere else i'll be a ten isn't my destiny to live or die alive, a life of brutal fragility? I'm just Ken. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then it went to the '80s bit for a bit. Oh, that was so cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, also, Warner Brothers, if you accidentally hear this, please don't copyright strike us. <laughs> it's all right. Um. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I just I I just love the fashion too. Um, especially um, like all the Barbies. But um, it's just think that like um, I liked a lot of the fashions, but I didn't love it. I don't know. It's just like I'd only love it if that's something I'd wear in real life. And with um, like the female fashion that's come out because of Barbie, call, you can buy exactly her outfit from like Dotty or um, maybe maybe not Peter Alexander. Peter Alexander have inspired outfits, but I know Dotty has like you can buy her dress like her um her light pink checkered dress and it's just, it's kind of weird to see it in real life. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh.
1: I mean, yeah, like Mm. I I think like uh, most of the fashions in the film, (coughs) I think, looked good in, in my personal taste of clothing. I get that, you know, everyone has a different taste of clothing and, you know, someone could find something appealing that maybe I don't in terms of fashion um but like I, I i think that uh the hive is in the real world when they first get there is like i think that in my opinion that was deliberate to show the mismatch to really heighten the mismatch i think um also mm-hmm. by the way everyone if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Greta Gerwig's other films Lady Bird and little women please do a yeah, little women with like Florence Pugh and uh Emma Watson and stuff oh it was really good and mm-hmm. i actually uh because I don't typically really care for period dramas all that much. I, it's not the type of thing I usually watch. But I, on my 18th birthday, I was going to go see something that was R18+, plus, which is restricted. Um, if anyone's listening internationally, it's in Australia, it's restricted to 18 and over, that rating. But I couldn't find it because it, this was a mainstream cinema. So I was like, okay, let's be ironic. On my 18th birthday, I'm watching a G-rated movie. and So it was Little Women. <laughs> it's PG on <coughs> DVD, but only because of a special feature, I think
0: oh I didn't know that
1: yeah <clears throat> but yeah the movie itself is most definitely rated G and I think that uh, you know Greta um, she started in an independent roots, and she started in movies called mumblecore movies it's sort of movement where it was like the dialogue is very much natural it's very much not improvised but it's scripted to sound like it is in a way um, okay. and there's her very debut her co-directing with unfortunately I can't remember the guy's name right now she co-directed with but she did this one called Nights and Weekends which uh, I haven't seen yet but then I saw mm-hmm. her solo directorial debut and I'm saying that relatively because her, de- her true debut as I found out recently was Nights and Weekends but her solo directorial debut as a solo director was Ladybird. and mm-hmm. that's I think an insightful coming of age story that was very well done and of course Little Women over at Columbia Um, obviously someone at Columbia saw Lady Bird that she did at A24 and and they were like yep do this movie for us and she actually got to shoot on 35mm at the suggestion of Steven Spielberg actually and now considering the success of that I think that she was the director of Barbie and I've been seeing interviews and I've been very fascinated by the fact that she talks about um, what she terms authentic artificiality and where she creeps from films a bit like, you know, the wizard of Oz or singing in the rain in terms of mm-hmm. th- it's deliberately a fakeish aesthetic, you know, you know, the sets are kind of fake, but they like add to it is my take yeah. on that. And I'd be curious to really explore what she means exactly by authentic artificiality. Cause I have a general idea, but then mm. like, it just, it's so interesting as a concept to me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, she co-wrote Barbie with a fellow filmmaker and longtime partner. I, I so I, I initially thought they were married, um, but like they're oh. they're not married. I think they're just in a long-term commitment. But she she co-wrote it with her long term partner, Noah Baumbach, responsible for such movies as The Squid and the Whale and the Fantastic Marriage Story. And oh. Greta directed it by herself. And yeah. So it was it was nice to have Noah Baumbach um on board too. Because I, I really liked marriage mm. story. Anyway, moving on to back to Barbie. Um no, that's
0: okay. <laughs> That was interesting to hear all that. Um I have listened to some of the interviews, um, but the way you said it was like really nice and it was just really just like what's the word? Uh condensed. Like I I could hear everything in an interview in like two minutes. So that was good. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah um, and they're
1: getting to direct 1 or 2 Narnia movies to my knowledge as well. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Um I forget I forget which studio has Narnia at this point. I think last time I checked it was TriStar that had it, which was part of Sony, but I could be mistaken.
0: Oh wow, okay. Sometimes things
1: with oh, studios cuz like I think when when original films deal fell through at uh, at uh, Columbia, at Sony for Sonic the Hedgehog, they moved it along with a bunch of their other projects to, to Paramount. So it, it all just depends on the studio deals and all that. And, of course, I'm not sure there are going to be many studios deals because there's a strike right now and yeah. I, for one, support the actors and stuff striking and the writers.
0: Yeah, I heard about that as well. Um, uh, I forgot the actress' name. Um. Uh, she played Fran Fine. She's actually on the board of, like, the actors. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And she had that really good speech. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I literally only knew her for being in The Nanny. And, like, I, I knew her as being a good comedic actor, but I, I, I knew nothing of her, um, you know, what she did outside of acting. And to, to know that she's the Writers Guild president, mm-hmm. I, that's awesome. And and also I can I can actually do a pretty good impression. Mr. Sheffield (laughs) (laughs) No, that was a bit Um, (laughs) half-assed Never mind
0: That's okay I also do love The Nanny as well But we're trying to keep it all things Barbie Because um, in our second part of this episode I'll be interviewing another guest About Barbie, about her opinions That we didn't get to touch base on last time But um, yes, back to you, um, George And I was just wondering um, Do you think there's going to be another sequel to this movie?
1: Um, I'm torn between whether there should be a sequel. I think Warner Brothers will probably see a lot of money in Barbie and be like, Are you sure you don't want to do a sequel? Um, I would good <laughs> <with it> enough, <laughs> which, if they keep Greta on, I think that it definitely would be. However, if they decide not to do a sequel, I'm perfectly satisfied with it as a movie itself, especially considering the ending. Yeah. And I gotta say, one thing that I laughed hysterically at, since since we're even about mental health in the podcast, mm-hmm. one thing I laughed hysterically at, just because it was so relatable, was Depression Barbie. I loved that because it was like, yes, like a Barbie that really represents emotional states. That because yeah, like all the Barbies seem to be all happy. There's never a conflicting mix of emotions or whatever. Like there isn't the a movie. And yeah. when Depression Barbie came up, I was like, oh, that was that was like really funny to me just because just because it was so relatable and they were presenting it as if it were a happy toy
0: (laughs) yeah um what exactly did um depression barbie look like and what did she do because i can't quite remember
1: i can't remember what she looked like specifically i was i was more just thinking yeah the the irony of the presentation and stuff as i said and this was at the point where you know margot robbie's barbie had given up hope completely Oh and yeah. Of course, like I felt really sorry for Margot Robbie's Barbie in the film. Um when she was going through that crisis, like Margot Robbie's an amazing actor, and she really sold that, I think. And so is Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. for that matter. His facial expressions, actually. Both are their yeah. Margot and Ryan's facial expressions in that film are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. In conveying <laughs> emotions, I think. hmm yeah.
0: Yeah, and I guess with um so I'm not sure I say sure I'm too much. It's something I'm cautious of when I'm doing podcasting. What I wanted to say with, with was with stereotypical Barbie, on one hand I was thinking she is a stereotype. So, like, uh, girls and women and anybody else might see her as being, like, what you should look like, you know, white, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, but then at the same time they might see it as just being a toy or just being a doll. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think, like, yeah, it was – I think the film beautifully pointed out that that, it, that is an unrealistic beauty standard by just having Barbies coexist with each other. You know, not not every Barbie was thin. Not every Barbie was white. You know, like, mm-hmm. that that's a ridiculous standard anyway. But considering that stupid standard of, like, oh, you have to be this, this, and this to be the top prettiest or whatever, you know, just to learn yes. it is, really. Yeah, what, and – um, um, Sorry, I anyway. – <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I keep on interrupting. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, um, so I did a trivia about Barbie the other night and I did come third, but besides that point, I just wanted to like, say, because like, I haven't won any um, like, prizes in terms of coming up on the ladder, but I guess what I really wanted to say was the fact that um, I learnt a couple of interesting things. I'll just say one thing, because um, I don't want to bombard you or other viewers, um, that there was a vintage Barbie, I think in the 1950s and 1960s, and... It was a slipper of a Barbie. And you know what there were two you know what the two um unusual um shocking items were besides, you know, um a mask and slippers and all that, or you know, the typical things you'd find? It was um a diet book and weights. Mm-hmm. Weights as in not weights to do um exercises, but weights to kind of weigh yourself.
1: Oh oh, right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ah, uh, that would not hold up today, and understandably so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: But wait, yeah, yeah. Mm? So, were you going to say something?
1: Well, I, I was. I was just going to say, like, I was. My mind was processing, like, how can they ever? How can they put those standards on people? It's like it's just insane, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess with the Barbie movie, what I liked about it was their diversity. I don't know if it was... someone to, 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 uh, What's the word? So I'm just thinking of the word because I do speak fast and sometimes I see things quickly. Um, tokenistic, I don't know if it was tokenistic when there was a lot of diverse Barbies, like there was a Barbie in a wheelchair, there was Barbies of different backgrounds and Barbies that were no, yes. mo- no longer manufactured and just diver- uh, diversity that wasn't just a stereotypical Barbie. But do you think that diversity was for real or do you think it was part of the marketing or do you think maybe I, it was tokenistic?
1: I I, compl- I completely think it was for real. I think it mm-hmm. was a, a great effort to be like, here you are on screen. And uh, I think it was a great effort to be like, well, um, this you, you can be Barbie too, even if they were on spleen, f- sorry, spleen. <laughs> even, even if they were on screen for like three seconds, it's like you can be Barbie too. I think that was part of the point of the film. You, you can be Barbie, whoever you are, you know? And yeah. Um, I, I really, sorry, one thing that I really liked about the film actually was the, the mother and daughter, America Ferreira and Ariana Gold, sorry, Greenblatt um, yeah. who respectively played the mother and the daughter and America Ferreira's speech at the end was also fantastic too mm-hmm. just the whole arc and them going into the Barbie world even is, I didn't expect that and I really liked where the film went with it you know?
0: Yeah, me too and I just, I loved the movie a lot and it's funny how, like, I've ever watched a movie that made me laugh so much in one scene and then the next couple of seconds I cried so much. Like, I had, had never cried in my life. Like, it was, a, like, a big reaction of emotions and it's good to, like, obviously let feelings out. But I didn't think that movie would do that to me and I came out feeling all empowered and also, like, feeling all the feelings and just feeling never wrong. But, like, <laughs> besides, like... The other one part, which maybe isn't the best feeling. Um, it was a really good movie, but I didn't think that would do that to someone who is like autistic, such too a of Yeah, like, uh,
1: I, I think that I didn't expect me to, sorry, I didn't expect it to um, sort of hit me in that way. Like, I, I personally di- didn't really cry at the film, per se, but I, I've certainly felt, um, and I think typically, you know, I, I, can, I can really feel for characters in a movie, but it's really hard to make me cry in a film. Um, I think that The Elephant Man is a good example of a film that makes me cry because it's um, both that and uh, Carrie, which Carrie doesn't make me cry personally, but Carrie and The Elephant Man are both films that I think show the impact of bullying. And, you know, Carrie, I know it's a bit, I know Carrie's a bit of an extreme example, but it really, it, it really just does show the psychological impact of bullying. But I think like The Elephant Man's the better film, even though Carrie's also really good. Um, So Carrie and the Alpha Man, um, Schindler's List, of course, um, being about the Holocaust is devastating to watch and a must-watch. And anyway, I should just go back to Barbie for the moment.
0: That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. um, Yeah, is there anything you want to add on before I ask you a question? Um, No, not really. Okay. So my question is, how come... It seemed all the Kens were buff. None of them were, you know, like a like a um, I don't know. I'm not trying to say say a stereotype, but like you know, there's a quote unquote dad bod or like different uh-huh. um, body types. You know, what's your opinion about that?
1: I uh, I, I think that uh, for the purposes of the film, they were trying to depict the stereotypical man to send up the stereotypical man, um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's um, I think they were probably depicting the as all buff and, you know, quote unquote manly, which uh, that very term is ridiculous, but like, uh, you know, I, I think they were trying to depict them a bit more stereotypically just because, you know, they needed the extremes for both comedy and to make a point. I think, you know, like you had the comedy of like, Oh, these guys really believe in this crap. Um, but then you had like, Oh, the the contrast and what's happened and stuff and this is the rabbit hole you can fall down you know and yeah. i think if ken or the kens had been more inclusive at that time that wouldn't have fit the point they were trying to make with the kens but i feel like in the future of the film in the future of the world they would be more diverse kens they would they would finally learn to accept them in my opinion you know
0: yeah that's a fair point yeah
1: and yeah. uh like uh, although uh until they start learning about things and stuff I I think yeah that like at least Brian Gosling's ken um he was just seemed quite dumb to be honest to me but I think that was the point in a way yeah. um, but maybe they could have made a an effort to be like uh, you know now he's finding out about himself maybe he's gonna try to finally try some of the things that you know he seemed against before like like you know I he was like, oh, yeah, I'm reading. You see, you can see. I think that was something in there, but, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I think could have been a anyway. little
1: more of that, him exploring the biases and going against them.
0: Yeah, I feel like the movie unpacked a lot, but I could have unpacked a bit more. But also it's hard because the movie is like maybe an hour and a half, two hours, if that, like of it's longer. And it's hard to kind of put everything that you want in a movie because some things might have to be left out.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's also opportunity for a sequel, Warner Brothers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. And do you think there's going to be, like, I was going to say, like, a stage musical? Actually, no, there is a stage musical, Barbie, but it's not, like, of Barbie the movie. Um, Do you think there should be, like, you know, a play or a a musical or anything like that in the future?
1: I think this film could very easily become a musical because it's already kind of one, but even though it's not, you know? Yeah. Oh, man, the musical numbers were great. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, so good. And it was just, the whole movie was so, like, anesthetic. Like, it was so pink. And if it wasn't pink, it was, like, other colours. And it was just, it was really good visually. But I got a bit tired visually, um, maybe halfway throughout the film. And then I got a bit, like, fatigued and I almost wanted to sleep. But, um, yeah, did you did you get any sensory overload because of the movie?
1: I didn't. Um, It's about to reach the 30-minute mark in the recording. So yeah. I think just to make sure the recording's saved, we should break it up into um, make a second recording just for, the, for this bit, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely, I'll do that. I just want to say thanks, everybody, for listening so far, and after this short break, we'll come back to another segment. Bye yep. for now.
2: <laughs>
0: Welcome <laughs> back.
1: Sorry, that's a reference to the old seventy show, Welcome Back, Otter. <laughs> it's okay.
0: Yes, so uh, are there any things you want to bring up from last segment?
1: Um, so yeah, we were, uh, what was it? We were, sorry, my mind went off track because the technical limitations distracted me slightly. Um, and I was worried, oh, we might lose the recording. But, no, um, I think it was... <sighs> sorry, my mind's has blank.
0: Uh, that's okay. Yeah, but we're talking about, um, to- toxic masculinity and if, um, Barbie the movie should have a um, musical or play, yeah,
1: yeah, like, the more I think about it, the more I would totally support a sequel to explore these things more in depth. I think there is a lot of potential for it, as long as they keep Greta... ...and... Mm-hmm. ...the co-writer, um, um, well, if, if he want- wants to be, of course. I, I think that's, uh, you know, even... Uh, obviously, like, you know, Greta could totally write and direct herself completely. Like, she's done that with Lady Bird and Little Women. Of course she can. Um, She doesn't need a co-writer to be good. But, like, I think that uh, a co-writer... in. Like, you know, writers, uh, what I'm trying to say is, I feel so awkward, I'm sorry, but what I'm trying to say is, like, that, um, like, writer directors, they, I I think that uh, they're good working alone and they're good working with people. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm sorry if it sounded like that. I, I, yeah, I'm just trying to say, like, uh, because it was such a winning combination. You know, she was directing it and she was co writing it with him and, they seem to make a good writing team, but I completely understand um if she just wanna write and direct herself the next one. That's yeah, cool too. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And I just have so many questions. Um did you find it interesting or all your thoughts about when there was no elements. There was no fire, no water or or other elements in the movie?
1: Um, I didn't really notice them all that much. Like the water when they're on the boat maybe, but like, yeah, I really liked the visual style of this film. The fact that they built a whole set, the actors could walk around. And Alan, yeah. I need more Alan in my life. That's why there should also be a sequel.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I like Alan too. And uh, with my, the question I just said, um, <laughs> what I was trying to say was uh, there was no actual elements. There was no real fine real water in the movie at all. Did you think that was a good thing or a bad thing? Or do you think it was um, a neutral thing?
1: I think it fit the world because when she goes to the real world and has the and has the water, for example, um that's something where it's like there's there's part of the contrast. She's never had real she's never had to have real water, you know, and she gets to sort of experience, I think, how it is to be human before she decides to be human, looking back, yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, I, I think that's a good metaphor, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but water being water in the real world. Life is messy. Life will spill over into things. It'll be complicated. That such as the water. (laughs) That's a good point.
0: Yeah, and I guess um, with with the metal office that uh, was in the movie, that was in the movie. Did you Mm. think that was the real office, or do you think that was part of a set?
1: I feel like it would would be part of a set. I'm surprised as as Margot and Greta on set were surprised by, I was surprised that, you know, Mattel actually approved all this, considering they're not exactly painted in a favourable light. hmm Yeah, like, uh, and uh, I noticed one thing behind Will Ferrell in the office scenes is that you you could see, like, the Warner Brothers Discovery um building behind them, and, like, that's the parent company of Warner Brothers and stuff now. A studio oh. which honestly with Warner Brothers I'm so I I think I don't like the current management at Warner Brothers David Zaslav he's making plenty of horrible decisions but at the same time Warner Brothers you know they're making some good movies still like Barbie and stuff and I guess like with many studios I guess there will be it's like the lesser of six evils or whatever or however many major studios there are now you know in some ways
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and what did you think about there was multiple uh, production companies on board? There wasn't just one.
1: Of course. Um, I think that, uh, you know, uh, let's see. So Warner Brothers, obviously that's a major one, which I mentioned. Heyday Films, who produced Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, sorry, just a slight rant about Hay Day Films. Um, mm-hmm. They seem like a good company overall. Um, but I just think that uh, on the trailer for Wonka, which they're co-producing with Warners and Village Rojo Pictures, them saying, oh, for the producers of Harry Potter, do they not know? Sheesh, I would not promote with, from the producers of Harry Potter. It, the author, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna, obviously, I won't go into it here, but man, the Mm. author is just horrible these days with, with the views and the horrific bigoted views, Mm. and they still chose to promote with, from the, from the producers of Harry Potter, you know, and I get people would like the story of Harry Potter, but Still, and, and it, yeah, like the story is still mostly good. I'm not saying it's perfect, there are a few stereotypes in there, but that's for another time, of course. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, yeah, so uh, yeah, um, Mattel, that this is the first film I've ever seen their logo on as a production company, so time will tell whether they're successful. <laughs> and judging by the box office grosses by this, I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but I'm not sure how much, um, I'm not sure how they divide it between, between like Warner Brothers and Mattel and stuff. And the whole reason Barbenheimer came around to be actually mm. was um, because basically Christopher Nolan, he made Tenet at Warner Brothers and he's been at Warner Brothers for a long time. He's done the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Interstellar, Dunkirk, uh, Tenet, um, The Prestige. Um, there were a few films that he did, he did also, I think he did the Insomnia remake at Warner's as well, but like previously he had done Following and Memento independently. So basically then he felt betrayed when Warner Brothers released it day and date, um, a bunch of movies, including Tenet onto on-demand streaming. Um, but granted this was not the best time to release films in theaters like so, because COVID was of course at its height, um and you know it's it's still a it's still a bit of a danger these days definitely but I'm talking about when it was really at the height you know and so basically he was like yeah um I'm releasing it in cinemas and I only want to release it in cinemas which I think was a bit of a misguided decision I think he could have waited to release it until COVID had died down a bit but but so basically he made that decision and Warner Brothers released it outside of cinemas as well for people to view on demand and you know to be able to buy digitally early and stuff and he felt betrayed like by that. And so he was like, Okay, I'm leaving Warner Brothers and my deal there just because I don't like what's happening here. Um, studios, have a bidding war. You know, let's uh, See what studio can get the di- distribution rights for my film. Of course, I think Warner Brothers entered the draw, and so did Paramount and stuff. Paramount, who had co-produced Interstellar with Warner Brothers, a major studio collaboration. Um, and uh, so then, basically, who ended up winning was Universal. And so Universal decided, okay, um, let's have a let's have a contract. Let's have okay, um, Nolan, what do you want? And he said, okay um about i think it was like maybe four weeks before and after i can't remember the exact amount of weeks but there's got to be no other major universal release before or after my film in this period of time so that i have more of a chance and so warner brothers in their infinite wisdom (laughs) well you can tell i'm sarcastic sorry sarcastic um but like in their infinite wisdom (laughs) they're like hmm what shall we do with our former accomplice uh, maybe that's the wrong word accomplice i don't know anyway what should we do with that uh, with the former guy who worked for us for many years oh i know release barbie on the same day and so i think because of that barbenheimer started as a trend to be ironic also if you're hearing noise in the background we have four cats here so sorry uh, if you're hearing any no- noise in the background we have four cats here so you may hear the occasional oh. meow
0: <laughs> okay, I think you, you said I have four cats. Yeah, I'm like I don't have any cats.
1: No, no, no. I have I have four cats. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, are they baby ones or are they older?
1: Um, they're grown.
0: Oh. Yeah, I like cats. Yeah. Um, I suppose I'm I'm running I'm running out of questions because we've talked a lot about Barbie. This is a longer um episode than my um like initial episode of my Barbie miniseries. But yes, um, George, do you have any questions you want to ask me before I wrap up?
1: Um, so uh, what what do you think of Barbie overall?
0: I really like the movie. I just I've got not any um like words that like really describe it well because it's just it's just such a Barbie movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think the audience really hardened it for me and. They were laughing at the things and stuff, and I know it's rated PG in Australia, but it's like, well, it's the type of PG that's aimed more toward teenagers and stuff. I think because it's not, it's not a film for kids. Like they can watch it if they want with parental guidance, no, but I don't think it's aimed toward them, you know.
0: Yeah, and what surprised me was there was um one or two families that came to my screening, and they had children under six. So I'm sure the little girls were about three or. Three and, a half, and I think the movie was a bit inappropriate because they talked about things like feminism and other concepts and what? there were a couple of like um, double meaning jokes in that movie and I don't think it's like developmentally appropriate for children and even just like generally, just generally not appropriate for children.
1: I can understand, yeah, the double meaning jokes would not be appropriate, of course, but I think that feminism is a concept that should be introduced early personally.
0: just because
1: uh, it's all about equality so I don't see how feminism would be inappropriate
0: yeah I I see your point but also I just feel like because i worked with many families um and, and many caregivers over the years and some don't like value feminism they don't value concepts because from their home country or where they're from those concepts don't exist so those um sometimes those Concepts don't um, exist later in their life as well. Like They they keep the same beliefs, which is their choice, their belief system. But some people don't value feminism. Some people don't value other concepts like, um, I don't know, I suppose, I can't think of the other concepts that were in the movie, but like, yeah, some people just don't value particular concepts um, for many reasons. And um, I'm just trying trying to respect that as well. It's complicated, I know. But yeah, I just, people
1: are complicated. (laughs) I guess, Yeah. Yeah, but, well, uh, yeah, like, uh, I I think that, uh, yeah, like, personally, if I was, if I was, like, a father of children, I would be like, this is feminism, this is what it does, this is the, this is the good it does, and, yeah, um, and I would most definitely, um, for another thing, I I think that, uh, you know, uh, one thing that children should definitely know about is that parents aren't just mothers and fathers they can also be <laughs> same gender or whatever you know or all that stuff i i just i, I just think there's no harm in th- there's no harm in children learning to accept people early because all oh, these people are like oh you know they, they're going like these these evil people are going against the lgbt community they're like oh well you know what what are you trying to do what are you trying to teach them no it's we're just people we want to live you know
0: yeah that's a fair point um i was gonna and, and, high... and there are gay parents
1: too sorry. out there too sorry yeah like yeah so
0: yeah i was sorry were you gonna say something
1: yeah because like you know we're, I, I think that they have every right to know for example that like for example um okay maybe they're curious why is this child raised by two men well, because these two men, like anyone else, they're in love. Well, except the aromantics. If you're aromantic, of course, that's the exception. I gotta. I feel like I gotta say that's being inclusive, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but, like, uh, yeah. If if you feel like you feel you're falling in love and all that, it's like, yeah, two men went together and in this case decided to have a kid, and that's all right, you know. And I feel like there's yeah. no harm in knowing that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I just, I've just, um. Uh, I, I Especially my opinion, I, I probably don't speak, speak too much about my opinion because my opinion can change a lot about about like that topic. Um, various reasons. But with um people that I've not worked with, but I've heard of like the opinions of um, um a lot of um people from the early childhood communities. Um, some of them like have very strict beliefs, and I just feel like. Um, sometimes people's opinions don't change just because of, you know, some people have really deep set opinions and I, I do where you're coming from. I do see where you're coming from. And I think, yeah, if I had like a child or if I like saw the movie as a child, um maybe in primary school age, not, not, not early childhood age, just because of my knowledge, like formerly, my former knowledge of early childhood, um I would say that like that movie is a good movie to see, but I think you've got to watch it with the right kind of mature person that's going with you or the right kind of um age like i really don't think it's appropriate for like children under six uh, early childhood in an early childhood typical if but that's just my opinion and obviously people can like debate that that's fine but um, yeah like yeah 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 yeah. sorry
1: because like i i personally i i would have been a bit stricter about who can see the movie in terms of I wouldn't have recommended it for anyone who, m- m- like I would, I would wait for them to be over 10 first, just because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it, it's like, Oh, these are the criticisms of the doll. And, um, this is this and that is that, and that they're saying the movie. <clears throat> and, you know, I, yeah. as I said before, feminism is completely okay to, to let children know about, I think, um, as, as long as, yeah. you know, they had the capability of understanding it, but then like, uh, you know, there are other issues that like body image that, you know, you don't want children worrying about, um, too soon. Of course, people, a lot of people do worry about stuff like that, of course, later in life. Um, or, or even like when they're a little bit older, but like, I, I just feel like there should be, the parents should be saying, you know, uh, you know, the bodies you have, it's all good. Um, in terms of like, you know, it's, uh, uh, wh- whatever body shape you have, people shouldn't bully you for it, you know, in terms of body neutrality or body positivity, as I go for mm-hmm. body positivity, personally. No, I feel like yeah. I'm saying the wrong words to express it, but you know what I mean, right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's true, and I think that movie is a really good movie um, for body image. Like, it does help, but it's just it's such a complex movie, like, more I think about it, I do want to see it, like, a third time and a second time, because it's just, it's it's maybe wonder a lot of a lot of my own biases and a lot of my own beliefs. And I suppose like some of my beliefs are like good, but like some of them are just like, you know, conditioned from particular parts of society. But um I do definitely want to see the movie again. Um and, and like I said, I think it's good to have an opinion and um even on this podcast I do get really um nervous saying my opinion sometimes because like even five minutes ago when we were talking about um particular concepts and I didn't want to say too to much about my my opinion, it's more just because of sometimes I'm just really blatantly like scared of my own opinion and sometimes I don't know what my own opinion is and that's just sad you know but sometimes if I do know my opinion and I'm confident enough to say it, and 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 I'm just calm enough to say it, I suppose like you're you're just um in the right mindset to say it, then I think that's okay as well
1: <laughs> I think it's really a process of discovery people's opinions change a lot you know like uh, when I was well I, like I wish that when I was younger as a kid that I had had you know um I, I wish that I had had, you know, an introduction that, you know, uh earlier about say gay people or mm-hmm. or people, you know, um trans people for example. I, I wish that that was more of a thing when I was younger, but um I guess I kind of discovered it myself and, you know, uh, to to the credit of everything like uh you know, my parents for example in the, in the Simpsons movie there's a scene where two male cops um, you think that they're that you think that they're trying to catch someone in the movie, but they just they then they start randomly kissing and they push back into a room and yeah they they're like oh okay good for them and uh, yeah. I kind of figured yeah good for them you know yeah yeah
0: exactly yeah yeah. <laughs>
1: And of course, I, yeah. I later discovered um, I, I later discovered my own sexuality when I was eighteen. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I, I feel w- one thing that I feel like is that you know um, LGBT representation, sorry LGBTQIA representation, um, is a lot better now than it was even ten, twenty years ago. I'd say you know, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, with what you were saying about opinions and how they change, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to me or a bit sad as well. I only learned either this year or last year, but pretty recently, that I didn't realise that, like, my opinion can change and that's okay. Like, because I... When I, I was long ago, not, 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 sorry, a lot younger... Sorry, a lot younger. So I'm rambling because sometimes I get, like, not nervous, but, like, I speak really quickly because that's how my mind works.
1: It's okay. Um, with,
0: yeah, with um, opinions. Yeah, I was never want to really have one just because of, like, the school system and all that. But that's how other podcasts. But with knowing that recently, like, it's okay to have opinions and it's okay that they change, the fact that they can change, that scares me still. And the fact that I think if my opinion changes, um, does that mean I'm changing too much? Does that mean I'm not being my pure, authentic self?
1: Because one, one example of an opinion changing for the better is that I used to give in to peer pressure a lot of the time in high school because I felt pressured to. But knowing what I know now, I would never, you know,
0: that's good. It's good you learned like
1: those skills. Yeah. And that to get myself out of a bad situation sooner rather than later, if I can, is another one. Um, only if I can, though. That's the important bit. Cause yeah, yeah. I didn't leave school early enough, to be quite honest with you. I should have left earlier. And I was, I was feeling un- uncomfortable living in Sydney. And I should have left for Melbourne earlier, but I didn't. Because obviously I was like, it was even worse at school. Cause it was like, Oh, well I, you know, what about these guys? What am I going to do? Um, yeah. And this and this and this. And then I was like, Nope, sometimes you have to make a big leap.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's okay to make those big leaps. Um, I didn't make the big leaps I wanted to when I was younger due to different reasons, due to, um, reasons that were out of my control. Um, And I would have loved, like, you to have left school early. I actually um, finished school, like, finished year 12. Um, And that's going to be maybe in another podcast later, another point. But um, what I'm saying is, yeah, if you've got those opportunities to make big leaps or to take risks that might be good for you, then I say go for it. Because especially this year, I've made lots of big risks. Like, um, I stopped working in after-school care, and now I'm working in um, social media, online, and I'm trying to do um, entrepreneurial, if that's how I say, entrepreneurial type work and I'm trying to be more creative with content creation and that's what I want to do and so being someone who's living a life like that makes me happy and I'm just trying to make sure that I'm staying true to myself and also um, knowing that it's okay to take those risks when I need to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I really like where this is going Um, and, but I suppose I could do it, um, 30 minutes to like Two thirty thirty minutes because like the recording's only for half an hour. So uh, of um, course. George, yeah, George, do you have any other um, like I suppose topics or anything new you want to pick up? I think this would be our last recording because um, I'm really running th- out of things to say, Barbie-wise.
1: Fair enough. Um, the question is, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? <laughs> I'm kidding, of <laughs> course. Um, okay, I think that's I think that's everything though. Actually, in all seriousness, I can't really think of anything else. Yeah.
0: No, that's all good. So. Um, so thanks for listening to everybody that's listening to our latest um, follow-up episode of our Barbie mini-series on Always Angelic Aspialis. I hope you enjoyed it. This is your guest, Susanna, from Always Angelic Espialis. And I've had a lovely special guest star, George, also known as Spike Green. And so sure. thank you so much for coming.
1: Yep, you're welcome. I'm glad to be part of this.
0: Thanks. So thank you so much, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Susanna again from Always Angelic Aspialis. I hope you've been enjoying this um, episode so far. It's been a lot of fun doing it. So, I just wanted to say that there will be a special guest star coming again. Um, Her name is Barbara, and she was the um, special guest star that I had last time. I know I did say that this is like the wrap up, and George Such Spike was the only one on, but we'll be having Barbara shortly. So, after this break, We'll be on with a never 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 special guest star. I'm so excited, I'm like ramping my words. So see you then. Hi everybody, it's Susanna again from Always Angelic Aspialis. This is our last segment of this episode and I have my special guest star um back from like the previous episode on again for this one, and it is Barbara. And uh, our first question is, what is your opinion on Barbie core, Barbara?
2: Um look okay, uh I have to admit, I haven't heard of that phrase before, before this Barbie um, phenomenon um, took place. Uh, I have to admit that um, I wasn't quite sure when I first heard it what it actually meant, but I suppose it means that, you know, anything connected with Barbie in terms of, to me, it means color. Perhaps it means um, uh, smart clothes, um, colorful clothes, Predominantly pink, um, like a, a, a quintessential pink color that Barbie is famously associated with. So um, I don't mind a Barbie core at this point. I, I like the her clothing. I also like the color pink. It's one of my favorite colors, and I've got a few um, a few items in my cupboard that are pink, um, and. I think bright colours like that lifts a person's mood, you know, if you're feeling a bit down and you want to put, lift your mood, um, make the day feel better then, you know, wear something bright and I think the Barbiecore pink is just the thing to wear.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because um, you did also touch on the barbicore items that you have and it's interesting,
2: did you say you had blazers of Barbiecore pink? Um, I think I've got a uh, a pink uh, coat, an overcoat, um, a couple of um, bright pink tops, and I've also got a pink, um, pink pair of capris, which I really enjoy wearing.
0: That's good. And personally, myself, I don't have anything Barbie hot pink, which seems to be um Barbie's signature colour, like a hot pink colour. I do have a lot of pale pink and a lot of pink that's almost white or cream but well, not anything hot pink. Um, I personally don't like hot pink. I don't have anything hot pink myself and I'm just happy that I don't have anything hot pink. Um, I feel like sometimes barbicore is a trend in which I don't want to follow through just because other people are and buying things just because other people are, especially influencers online, but I am trying to still be myself while I was wearing barbie wearing even though I wouldn't say necessarily My version of hot pink constitutes as barbicore. And I just want to also touch on another question, which is, does social media dictate your personal style? And if so, which social media
2: platform and why? Okay, that's a very interesting question. I suppose for some people, um, social media uh, would dictate um, a fashion sense. Um, It just depends on where you are in your journey of life. Um, I suppose young people who are um, trying out new things seeing new trends they would be influenced by social media uh, because they see what's out there and what what would look good and and what they think wouldn't look good me personally I can take it or leave it I mean I have my own sense of style and sometimes I do see things I think oh okay that looks quite nice I don't mind that on that particular person I wonder what it would look like on me um I think the best thing for me, for my situation, is just to go to the stores, try it on um, and see how it looks on me um, rather than just buying it at, um, by looking at what it looks like on other people um, in on social media.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people my age actually um, uh, seemingly get influenced from social media and I know you can actually buy things through Instagram or through Facebook I haven't actually done that except the only time I bought something through Facebook was a couple of years ago th- uh, for a unicorn ring to put on my finger and although it was a lot different to what I actually imagined and there's a bit of uh, misinformation about the actual brand itself um, that's like the only thing I bought through social media and I would not do that again. I'm not the kind of person to buy purchases through social media by um, clicking on influencers or clicking through um friends of mine or just others that have tagged content. I just wouldn't personally do it myself. Um, I know a lot of people apparently my age do do that, and that's fine, but I personally wouldn't. I'm just wondering, Barbara, do you have any other thoughts about the movie, the Barbie, the new Barbie Land movie, the um, Barbie, the movie, the official one, just in case you want to touch on any points before I
2: ask more questions? Um... I think we covered the Barbie movie last time in depth, um, and I just want to reiterate that I went in um, watching went into the movie um, without much um, preconception about what it could be. I was pleasantly surprised um, by the movie um, with all the the messages and various layers of meanings that it had, <clears throat> um, various messages about um, you know social social impact of barbie and just all the different messages i i enjoyed it um i don't know if i would see it anytime soon again on the big screen but i do look forward to it coming onto some sort of screening platform
0: Mm, that's interesting and do you think personally that the barbie movie is a feminist movie or do you think that it isn't or do you think does it really
2: matter um you know what? I don't really think it matters. I think it can be a, a movie of many things to many people. Whatever a person's um, journey in life at this point, they all have different um, uh, lenses that they see their life through, and they something in the Barbie movie may re- resonate with them. And if that's good, if that t- reaches and touches them, that's great. Um, personally, I just thought it was a satire and a lot of things. Um, it had a lot of social commentary, and um, I, I just thought it was a very positive know <clears> it, it had a lot of positive messages as well.
0: <coughs> yeah, and that's interesting because um, I do agree with you on the satire and on the multiple meanings that the movie has at the same time, if that makes any sense. I'm a bit tired as I do this podcast, but I am definitely still insightful and I do want to give my opinion and I just wanted to say that with the Barbie movie I do see it as a feminist movie but I also do understand it as being not a feminist movie Um, and that this brings me to my next point of I'm doing a loop of um, a Barbiecore related question do you have any decor or any homeware if that's the right word of Barbiecore and do you think the barbecue trend has kind of made its way into like homeware and those types of situations.
2: Um, do I have any homeware um, oh, related to barbecue? Oh, I don't know, I don't think so. Um, <coughs> while I do like um, a lot of the um, barbecue products, um, I don't think I have any of it, I don't think so. Um, and i don't think oh God, i don't think I'll be buying any time mm-hmm. soon it's It's not for everybody I don't mind it but I it's it's not really what I would have, what I would be after
0: yeah that's fair and for me, a lot of the barbi um inspired and barco official sure, uh merchandise that has come out for homes. I don't really like, although I really would love the Glass House candle that's Barbie themed. And I know it's fifty nine nine nine, but I want it really badly. And also, I almost thought I won it the other night when I won a competition of um, a trivia and my team came third. And I thought the candle was <laughs> was the Barbie one and it wasn't. But I still love the candle that I got. But um, yeah, it's interesting how like um, I never would have really taken much notice of like a brand like Glass House. And now I have... Especially because I've got a um very interesting aesthetically pleasing candle and it's got like um vintage motifs of Barbie throughout the ages, mm-hmm. I believe. And it's got and it's got a lot of um uh, pinks obviously and I just thought it was really interesting and really nostalgic and I think the the nostalgic part of Barbie really appeals to me and even if it's in a candle I'd buy it. Even though I know um I definitely know that. Um Glasshouse candles ones that are Barbie themed are marketed very well (laughs) and Barbara are there any characters from the movie that you didn't really like or that you thought interesting?
2: Yeah I thought um, I thought um, Weird Barbie was really good I liked Weird Barbie Um, I think that was one of the most down-to-earth characters in the um, in the in the movie, having said that, I also liked <coughs> Will Ferrell's character. I thought he was really funny. Um, I also liked the character of um, the ghost of the inventor of Barbie. I thought that was quite good. Um, I I definitely didn't like um, Ken's friend, who was who was competing with Ken for. I was supposed to be the the, the the head of Barbie Land or Ken Land. Mm. But um, there were a couple of characters that I really liked.
0: Yeah, that's good. And were you referring to Alan or was it another character?
2: No, there was another character. I can't remember his name. Um, he was the one with the black hair. Um, And I, I honestly can't remember his name. Oh, I
0: think, not, I think I know the one you're talking about. But it's interesting how... like. Um, I can't remember that character either and I think the most memorable characters were the ones that I remember their names. There were a lot of Barbies and a lot of Kens I didn't really remember after the movie and so I don't even
2: know their names. Yes, that's right. I mean, I remember Alan um, and of course Ken and uh, Midget. No, not Midget. Um, Midge. <laughs> um, And of course I remember... um. Um, Weird Barbie. And there's a couple of others, but I I think they're the ones that stood out. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And do you think Midge is her
2: real name or do you think it's a nickname for that doll? Well, in Barbie land, who knows? Um, I honestly don't know. What do you think? It sounds like a nickname.
0: I did do some research on Barbie the other day. However, I don't know if Midge is... Her nickname or real name? It could be a real name. I just, I just don't know. And also, I've never heard of Midge before. I heard of Midge's Barbie.
2: Ah, oh, no, I haven't either. Um, yeah, there are some interesting names. Like, isn't Skipper Barbie's cousin or sister?
0: Uh she's actually Barbie's little
2: sister. Little sister. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. That's very interesting too.
0: Yeah. And do you think Skipper is also a um, nickname? Sorry, do you think it's a nickname or do you think it's like her actual name?
2: Well, again, um, in Barberland, anything's possible. It sounds like a nickname, but in Barberland, it could actually be a real name. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And I've got another question. It's not so much related to the movie, but I know you like the colour pink. What are your favourite colours of pink and why?
2: The various shades of pink. So I really like blush pink, dusty, dusky pink. They're my favourite colours. I've just got a lovely soft um feel to it and a nice vibe um having said that i also like a splash of bright pink um not the whole outfit outfit but you know mm-hmm. maybe a top or, or some boots or something so yeah i mm-hmm. I, I just think everybody needs a little bit more <laughs> pink in their life
0: mm, and that's interesting um because yeah i do see you wear a lot of pink um not a lot of pink like all over but I, I do see that you do like pink and I think it's good. And do you think that you'd ever change your like signature colour to another colour or do you think pink is like your signature colour?
2: Um, I don't know if pink is my signature colour. I do like it. I also like um pale purple. That I mm-hmm. and I also like red.
0: Oh, it's interesting. I didn't know you were a red person. I don't know why. I, I know you like a lot of black too, and a lot of neutral colours. And <laughs> I know your hair is pink. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Anyway, um, all I want to say is we're gonna have, have so we're going to we're going to have to have a short break. Um, but we'll be back in a couple of minutes. In the meantime, um, yeah, hopefully this conversation has got your thoughts going about Barbie, and you might have a few um bits of inspiration. You might want to even wear a bit more pink, or you might um even have a similar opinion to us. But we'll be back after we'll be back after this break. Hi everybody, we're back from our break, and now I'm asking Barbara even some more questions. So, Barbara, did you have a Barbie doll growing up? And if you did, I'd love to, tell, I'd love to know your story, and if you didn't, I'd love to know why, if you wanted to share that.
2: Um, as I was growing up now, I did not have a Barbie doll. Um, I, I did have a doll, but it was just a generic type of doll. And I think the reason why I didn't have a Barbie doll was... Um, uh, my parents were migrants and they didn't know about Barbie World, Barbie World did not exist in our family.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting because um, I um, personally had a different experience with um, Barbie, I did have Barbie does growing up, I had quite a lot, not a lot as in a hundred, but I had maybe five or ten really good Barbies and for me that was quite a lot. And it's interesting, and did you think that not having a Barbie was um, something that maybe you felt like you were missing out on, or did you think at the time you didn't really care?
2: I don't think I really cared. No, probably I didn't really care at the time. Um, possibly when I was a pre-teen, and I saw some of my friends have Barbie dolls, I, I, I wished I could have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it never occurred to me to ask my parents for one, because I just thought perhaps they would have thought it was frivolous and, um, you know, something that I didn't really need. Um,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, and and um, I've got lots of questions. Like, um, back in that time, were barbie toads expensive
2: or were they just not really expensive? Were they kind of reasonable? You know, I can't remember how much they were, but I, I got the general idea that they were quite expensive and I think that's what my parents thought, that they were too expensive and um a waste of money.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, for some people, like having that kind of dough maybe isn't like a necessity, but yeah, I do see how like a lot of um girls that I age would have doughs and well I've really liked um Barbie dough's growing up. They are my favourite Barbie dough. I had Bratstows and another type of dough, like a generic dough, like a knockoff. But I love Barbies the most. I think they're the most realistic and with Bratstows, um the reason why I didn't really like them is because they had no nose. And I can't relate to someone who doesn't have a nose. And also, oh, the thing I didn't like was when you pulled off their shoes, their feet came with them. <laughs> so I didn't like that at all. I, that that as well because it um, physically pay me to take off their shoes all the time, and I just didn't like that. Just felt weird. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least with Barbie, they look like a real like person, even though I I never um, thought of Barbie dolls as being like an adult doll. Like they were like they were. Well, figure of a woman. I just thought, that oh, they're, they're a doll. Like, they look like a girl, but, like, I never um, made the realisation that it's meant to be based off a woman, like a, an adult. So I never I never realised that, um, until the movie actually. And, um, yes. And I, I'm just curious. Um, Barbara, do you think that Barbie is a commercial product made to sell out, or do you think the brand
2: and the Barbie brand has heart? Um, well, yes of course it's a commercial product it's um, I mean when it was invented by um, the lady who invented it I'm sure she she had heart and she was very proud of her creation Um, and she named it after her daughter which you know which is great I think now um, it is a commercial product and it's a sign of the supreme consumerism (laughs) culture Um, you know even some of the themes in the Barbie world, like "oh, let's go shopping, let's buy this, let's buy that," it's all to do with consumerism and mm-hmm. and that that everything that goes along with that. Not that um, not that I dislike the doll itself. It's just a doll. The doll is cut. the doll doesn't do anything unless somebody does something with the doll, which means they put a, um, a brand on it or meaning to it and that meaning is consumerism.
0: Mm, that's fair and with um, Oh, lost my train of thought. Um, do you have any other thoughts about Barbie in terms of um, the consumerism side just so I can get my thoughts again?
2: Um, I always was very, very um, uh, I suppose I, I was bemused by the amount of clothing that barbie and accessories that barbie was able to have it was just amazing and some of the clothing were really really intricate and Mm -hmm. beautiful on her you know even down to um hair accessories and shoes and bags um a lot of thought must have gone into creating all those accessories and all those (laughs) fashions um you know no no wonder it was so popular with no one of the girls little girls thought it was so popular and loved it so Mm. you know um and i I don't Mm. mind it at all i I just think it's ingenious how much thought had gone into creating Mm -hmm. all those accessories and clothing and Mm -hmm. uh, you know pet dogs and everything else Mm. in barbie world um but of course that's all a symbol of consumerism
0: yeah and with, with that in mind, it brought me to um, a fact that I had remembered that, did you know, apparently it takes about 800 professionals like fashion designers, um, toy makers and other people in order to make one Barbie with a full set of accessories and fashion and to have her makeup done and her hair.
2: Well, I did not know that. And I think that's, um, that's wonderful to keep a lot of um, people employed. You know, $1 <laughs> employs so many people. I think that's great.
0: Yeah, I think it's great if you're wanting a job that's creative and you get to work with other people. And if you like Barbie, think that's really good. I would love to work for Mattel one day. <laughs> but also, I just want to say this. Um, hopefully the people that are listening don't hear too much of the background noise. Um, there was a bit of um, a person laughing, <laughs> so hopefully that's not um, impacting our our podcast because I, I love um, having a podcast as professional as possible. But hopefully that isn't interfering too much. So. You kind of touched on this briefly, but I just wanted to know your opinion a bit more. Do you like Barbie
2: personally now, or are you indifferent about it? I I like Barbie. I I mean, I I don't love Barbie, um, but I like Barbie. I like... uh, Barbie stands for a lot of positive things in life. Um, You know, the theme, you can be whatever, anything that you want to be, which is great. Mm. Um, A great role model for girls to strive to be whatever it is in um, a very patriarchal society um you know Barbie stands for a lot of positive things um you know so I I I like Barbie I um I don't dislike Barbie I think it's fine and I think Mattel's doing really well by um it's making a lot of money (laughs) yeah they are making a lot of
0: money and with what I was saying before about Barbie um in my previous episode actually. I did say how Barbie did inspire me to be anything I want to be although I had a particular interest of in being a princess and I don't know if people were aware right of that in the first episode and for a lot of people um, that idea kind of grows out of them although even now in my twenties I still want to be an actual princess and it'd be nice to marry a prince and have the castle and the fancy car and the fancy dress but um, yeah I definitely keep on um, well at least dreaming about that. <laughs> And Barbara, do you have any final thoughts about Barbie, Barbie Cor, anything related to Barbie, even Ken, or even um something even a little bit
2: related before I finish up for this podcast episode? Well, I just have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed um having these intimate discussions with you about Barbie and Barbie world i um I know more about <clears throat> Barbie than I thought I ever would um or even wanted to um I do find it fascinating. And I don't know if um, you went to the um, trivia night um, the other night, but I certainly went and I found the information fascinating about what <laughs> everything <clears throat> everything that involved in Barbie World and all, all the little trivial information <laughs> I found really, really interesting. Um, uh, my final thoughts are, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with Barbie. Um, I think it's a it's a great role model for girls in terms of being what that you want to be in terms of body image. That's another question, um, but I think Mattel has done you know <clears throat> it could has done a good job in trying to make the doll as realistic as, as possible. Mm. So, so uh, um, because there have been body issues mm. in the past, I think um, it's trying hard to. Um, make it as accessible as possible these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it could c- continue to do more than it's doing, but, you know, um, small steps. So, um, yes, I, that's about all that I have to say about Barbie.
0: Yeah, that's okay. And I just want to say with um, Barbie um, and its kind of criticism about um, – sorry if I keep on saying oh, I'm trying not to. <laughs> um, so with Barbie there was – uh and an idea you were talking about when you said barbie is kind of like the idea of what you can be like you can be anything you want to be and i was reading this article that you actually sent me the other day and it was a criticism that um it was something along the lines of oh if you um slap on a science stem coat and you know it basically means that you're um making barbie um an inspirational barbie doll or doll to girls and apparently according to the article that's wrong. But um that article is very militant. I did touch on that with um George and I really didn't like the tone. Um and it also critiqued Barbie in terms of being just white and being um, you know, not diversity not not full of diversity and not um mirroring the real world. Although I know nowadays there are eyes of different colours, different skin tones, different um hair colours, different well obviously makeup um as well, if you want to go and check like, the aesthetics. But there are even Barbados nowadays that have um dance uh Down syndrome and just other um backgrounds and neurodiversities. And I think that article was way too well militant, obviously, and just way too negative. It just it didn't encompass like the holistic idea that like I think Mattel was doing a really good job in terms of like lots of different areas in, in terms of especially diversity,
2: if it makes any sense. It certainly does, um, you know. And everybody's entitled to their opinion. Not everybody likes Barbie, um, and that's you know that's fair enough. We all, we we're all different, um, you know. So I'm sure we'll come across people who are very anti Barbie, and that's fair enough too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's okay as well. And I suppose I'm trying to wrap up. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, yeah, I um, <clears throat> really do. Right, to what you're saying in terms of yeah some people might disagree but yeah the article maybe made it really hard for me to actually read actually I was not going to read the whole thing I read a couple of lines I'm like yeah this tone of voice I don't like it, it felt like um like the, the like physical reaction made me feel sick like it was just really like like it gave a really off vibe if that makes any sense. And I've never ever come across an article that's written that militantly. I can also put that in the show notes if anybody's interested, just in case they're interested. What article I'm talking about. <laughs> um but hopefully everybody has enjoyed this um like special edition of the Barbie series. This is episode two and this episode is really special in a way because it had two special guest stars and that's really awesome. And also I've never done that before. I've never had um two guest stars on the one episode and I've never actually had a mini double series of um of a discussion that's gone across two episodes and especially um an edition that's gone lengthwise a really long time like it's an hour and a half of content so hopefully that's been really like informative and hopefully if you want to give your opinion you want to it's okay as well like there's a poll I did as well if anybody wants to do that but hopefully um yeah you've like really enjoyed this like podcast because I've definitely enjoyed talking about it although I've I've been more keen to actually hear people's opinions because sometimes I do speak too much and I do speak too much about myself. But hopefully, um, yeah, I um, I would definitely do more content like this because I enjoy, like, hearing my special um, guest stars as well. And sometimes I don't give them too much time, but I definitely have tried to give them generous time. So, Barbara, thank you so much for coming on. I've definitely enjoyed talking about all things Barbie Mania. In the future, I might do more episodes, but it's definitely been um very, like like very much a pleasure to work with you and I don't know how to quite say that eloquently. But yeah, I um, I've definitely enjoyed like listening to and hearing because often I don't get your opinion. Often I didn't get your um, the opinion of um, George such spike, but I've definitely enjoyed all that. So this is Susanna from Always Angelic Aspialis, Be Different Not Less. And this was Barbara and she was my special
2: guest. Sir. Thank you so much for having me on. I have thoroughly enjoyed mm-hmm. myself um, giving my opinion um, and you're doing a wonderful job. So just keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for um, saying those kind words. And I'm definitely going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I'm definitely going to keep on podcasting and blogging and all those content creations. And all I want to say is, yeah, hashtag, you can be anything. Thank you for listening to another episode of Always Angelica Spialis.
1: We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new.
0: Goodbye for now.
1: Remember. You're different, not less.